This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hockey News Podcast, presented by BetMGM and Sherwood. Ryan, how you doing? Pretty good. Last of the four previews here. It is, and this is uh, going to be a lot of fun. This one has Tampa Bay, Toronto, Florida, a really fun mm-hmm. team in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't kind of followed it, of course, check out our issue of the Hockey News Yearbook, uh, where we break down every single team in the league, all the new things in each team and everything. Uh, we are going to be starting off with the Montreal Canadiens, and we're talking about fun stuff. Not going to be a fun year for the Montreal Canadiens. Carey Price is not expected to play. Shea Weber got traded. Uh, if you look at other guys that have left, Jeff Petrie's gone. Romanoff's gone. Ryan Paling's gone. Matthew Perot retired. Cedric Paquette's gone. Kiel Clegg's gone. So this is a different roster than mm-hmm. what we saw. It's still not a good roster, but it's something where we, we expect that. They did get the first over pick of Yuri Slavkovsky. Uh, when you look at the positives for the Montreal Canadiens, what are you kind of signaling in on? Well, they've got some fun young firepower. Right. Cole Caulfield really found life under Marty St. Louis uh, when he took over as head coach. Uh, Uri Slavkovsky, obviously, you know, a tremendous amount of hype around him. Uh, a lot of excitement because he was the first pick overall. You know, big bodied kid. You can do a lot of different stuff out there. People are already thinking, you know, what would a Slavkovsky, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield line look like? Um, you know, they, they brought in Kirby Doc, who, you know, certainly looking for uh, a fresh start after having some, you know, some real struggles in Chicago after, you know, making the Hawks really early in his in his pro career. So, you know, I mean, the beginnings are there. And I think for this team, you know, they're in such a tough division and they really are kind of stuck because of some of those big veteran contracts that they either had to get rid of in the case of Shea Weber or, you know, they're still kind of attached to with Carey Price. I mean, obviously, you hope Carey Price comes back at some point, but, you know, you can't really bank on that, certainly mm-hmm. not in the short term. So, yeah, I, I would say it's, you know, it's kind of a young guns theme right now with the Habs. Like, enjoy Caulfield, enjoy Slavkovsky, and we'll see after that. Uh, we could just kind of skip the negatives because this is a team that we do expect to be battling <clears> for <throat> Connor Bernard and not for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're looking at the X factor of this team, for me, it goes to Kirby Doc, and oh, yeah. it's because this is a guy that came in with a lot of potential, never really found his way in Chicago, has an opportunity here to really step his game up. Mm. Uh, he's going to have good opportunities in Montreal. Suzuki's the number one center. Doc's probably a number two. And let's see how we can kind of push that because the Canadians, um, again, you, depending on who you talk to, is Suzuki a true number one? Montreal he is in most teams? I don't think so, yeah. especially in this division. Yeah. Um, so you got to look at where this secondary scoring is going to come from. And this is an opportunity for Doc to do that. Yeah, and I'm going to go uh, in a different direction, although I do agree with you. I'm going to go with Jake Allen because this is his crease now. And, uh, you know, he's going to have to put in a lot of work. That defense core does not look sharp whatsoever. Mike Matheson and Joel Edmondson, David Savari, you mean you're not yeah. too excited about that group? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> tough, right? And, um, you know, I mean, Caden Gooley is an exciting prospect. It'd be great to see what he can do and if he can sort of crack that lineup. But Jake Allen's going to have to be huge, like bigger than Jake Allen has ever been before. Is Jake Allen going to be on this team after the trade deadline? I would think so because you need somebody in the here and now. Well, Caden Primo could be that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess. He's got but then who's deal. your goalie next year? Well, you, you got to still hope it is Caden Primo. But Caden yeah. Primo, and then I don't know what. I think it, you need like you need Allen and Primo. You know, like that's like a. I don't want to say 1A, 1B, but like, you know, that's that's a tandem that you can't have just one of them. Yeah. Okay. Well, Sam Montembeau did play well last year. Sure. So if you go Primo Montembeau, then, I mean, that's still kind of like dicey, but I mean, you, you, you expect do that. It. If, and if you're rebuilding, then. Yeah. And this is a good time to kind of throw Primo to the wolves. He's kind of struggled in his pro career. Hasn't really, wasn't really great in Laval. Uh, obviously not fantastic numbers in Montreal, but mm. if he's truly going to be your guy for the long term, you think he's going to be that. This he is did a have good a time. good playoff run he did, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, NHL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like his, his stats overall, the regular season weren't spectacular, but he's also up and down a little bit. It was sure. a guy that was, you know, that was tough. But I, I think that if you, this is the year Primo's going to have to step out. And mm. I think he's got that opportunity. And if he is, Jake Allen, I think he's got this is his last year in his deal. 
You move him. He's a valuable backup goalie. Right. Teams could use that. Yeah, fair. So, all right, that's Montreal Canadiens. Let's go to another team that's not there, but they're moving up. The Detroit mm-hmm. Red Wings, mm-hmm. who uh, just just on defense alone, I'm really excited for. Obviously, we know more excited is more excited. Yeah. But then you got Simon Edvinson showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're Phil. I like. I'm a big Philip Aronik fan. Mm-hmm. I think he's a pretty solid defenseman. Sure. Uh, and then you got to see where that's going to go. But the Red Wings, if you look at the positives, I think the most positive is you're starting to get a taste of what this team can do. Yeah. They're, they should take a step up. They added some nice pieces in Andrew Kopp, David Perron. Uh, hopefully, Kubali could do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Husso could be your, likely your starter. And got times of guys they lost, they didn't really lose anything key. They lost Mark Stahl, Sam Gagne, Thomas Grice, Danny DeKaiser. Uh, it's really kind of the key guys. So they went out and got, and got impact guys without losing anything. Mm-hmm. And they already have some good young guys. So what do you like about this group? Well, I really like the Andrew Kopp ad. You know, that's somebody where you can slot him up and down the lineup. Obviously, a great veteran presence. He can sort of help out with Dylan Larkin. And, you know, I mean, the, the future of this team is the guys like Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider. I mean, Moritz Sider is the present, let's face it. I mean, he was awesome. And, um, you know, on top, uh, and actually, Kale McCarr, you know, when I was in Vegas for the, the Players Tour, he was very complimentary of Moritz Sider. So he loved the way the kid plays. So he, Thinks he's super smart out there. And then obviously Cider has the physical element as well because he's got that great size and, and he will use it. Um, you know, Simon Edvinson is the future. And as you mentioned, it'd be great to see if, if he can crack the squad right away out of camp and make some noise there. So, and, and we still have, you know, more weapons coming for Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's positive. But again, you know, this is a year, I think, where you continue to get experience and you're, you know, you're probably not in the playoff hunt, but you want to play some some close games. You want to play at least meaningful games a little mm-hmm. later in the season and and kind of just continue to grow as a group. Huso, I think, is going to help in net. It's it's a great sort of prove me situation for him because, you know, he did have that great run in St. Louis where he usurped Jordan Bennington uh, at one point. So now he's got a crease that he can sort of try to take a stranglehold on. Um, you know, Steam, yeah, it still needs a year or two. Um, but I think that Andrew Kopp in particular really kind of helps shape that forward core for the here and now. And when you're looking at negatives, I'm still kind of looking at it kind of in the same way as Montreal Canadiens. It's, they're not there yet, so there's mm. still a lot of the flaws in this team. Um, well, I do like Sider and I do like Edvinson. Uh, maybe not the most exciting defense core outside of that. Uh, and <laughs> a really player that I want to see a lot of, Phil Zadina. And uh, yep. Tony Ferrari had a really good story on the website uh, this week, kind of breaking down Zadina's play and why there's hope that there will be kind of a nice bounce up and the Red Wings are betting on him and let's see how this works out. Um, but they're just not there yet. Yeah, and I, and I would say as, as excited as I am for the young blue liners, like this defense core is still pretty rough overall. And, you know, that's going to put pressure on Billy Huso. It's also going to put pressure on the forwards to make yeah. sure that they come back and support that defense core to make sure you can transition the puck up the ice. Um, so, yeah, you know, guys like Philip Ronick are going to have to be huge right now and while they wait for sort of reinforcements. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I like a lot of the elements Detroit has, but I'm still waiting for more of those elements to come. And, you know, they'll they'll be there eventually. Um, but for now, it's just a matter of, you know, taking your lumps, learning the pro lifestyle, learning from those veterans and, you know, setting yourself up for next season, season after that. Don't give up on Alex Adolkovic yet. I still, I know he's not a big goalie and I don't like short goalies. I still have a belief that this guy, maybe if some of the pressure's taken away from him, Mm -hmm. maybe we see him kind of do what he was doing in Carolina for a bit. And you know what? Maybe he's the perfect 35 start goalie. Yeah, and you know that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. If Billy Huso is your guy, then fine. You know that works out very well. Yeah. So, uh, for me, the X factor. There's a couple of pretty solid names. I I wanted. I, I could go Zadina, and I'm probably gonna go Zadina. I feel like this is someone where you're gonna have to, like obviously the defense. You really want them to be better. For in Zadina's case, it's you want to to show why you're a highly sought after prospect when you're in there. And Detroit's drafting history was a little ugly for a little bit. And Zadina was kind of like in the mix, like right before like things started to really get good yeah, at prospects. Yeah. Let's see if he could still hold it. Um, I'm still, I still trying to want to believe for Joe Valeno, but I've mm-hmm. given up on that. But I think that this is a, a year where if anyone's going to show 
that they're going to take steps forward has to be Zadina on the Detroit Red team. Yeah. My X Factor, I'm actually going to go with Dylan Larkin because, you know, he is still the number one center mm-hmm. in town. And, um, you know, he is a veteran. He is a leader. He wears the C. Uh, this is still a young team. If he can, you know, have a really good season offensively and really just sort of a, a good two-way season, that's going to help take pressure off some of the kids that are still learning. And uh, I think Andrew Kopp's going to help him a lot in that regard. But, um, you know, I, I think Larkin still needs to sort of lead the charge here. Yep. All right. So you still got these young guys that are going to be taken over, but you need those veterans like like Larkin and, to a point, Bertuzzi. Yeah. David Perron yeah. comes in until he gets traded to San Luis. Exactly. I made that joke a few too many times. But, uh, yeah, so we'll see how this kind of works out for this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not their year, but it's coming. Mm-hmm. The next team we're going to talk about. Buffalo Sabres mm-hmm. and talk about a team that's on the upswing. So they lost Cody Eakin, Tukarski, Drake Kagula, Colin Miller, Mark Pushik, uh, John Hayden, Aaron Dell, Mark Jankowski. Not a lot of time, ton of guys to be too worried about. Mm-hmm. Um, you bring in Eric Comrie, you bring in Ila Labushkin, who's going to hit everyone to death. And that's right. kind of like the really only guys they brought in, mm-hmm. but Tage Thompson, yeah. Fantastic year. We yeah. expect some more out of uh, Dylan Cousins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Took, a full season would be nice. Uh, Skinner, you know, again, when Skinner's hot, Skinner's hot. Skinner. We, I, I had a feeling you would do that. Uh, Jack Quinn. Yeah. You know, he's here. Uh, Payne Krebs. Yep. Only up from here, hopefully for them. JJ uh, Pateka. This is a fun team. This is. Oh, and, Owen Power. Forgot about and of course, the Owen Power, who, you know, <laughs> might win the Calder Trophy. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, the vibes in Buffalo right now are so good. And I think that's the fun thing is, you know, they have a coach in Granado that they love to play for. He's been such a positive influence since he took over. And, you know, we see, you know, Rasmus Dahlin, like this could be a breakout season for him. And he's going to have great support from a player like Owen Power, Mm -hmm. um, who comes in obviously with high expectations, but got a little bit of NHL seasoning at the end of last year. So he'll know a bit of what Mm -hmm. to expect. And as you mentioned, you know, Tage Thompson, if he can repeat what he did last year, that's awesome. Alex Tuck, you know, a leader on and off the ice uh, for them. What I really like is that there's going to be some good battles, right? So it's like you mentioned, you know, Dylan Cousins. I expect him to have a big year. You know, Casey Middlestat's still in the mix. And then, you know, Jack Quinn and J.J. Pateka, do they both make the opening night lineup? Or does only one of them make the opening night lineup? And which one is it, right? You know, Quinn, fantastic season. Uh, in the AHL, Pateka was really good, but might have had a better playoff run if you talk to people uh, in Buffalo, uh, in the AHL, that is. <clears throat> so which one of them had a better summer? Those are the kind of battles you want to have. You, you never want to gift a young player a no. roster spot. So Buffalo is now in this space where, you know, you got those guys, you got Peyton Krebs as well. You have a lot of talented forwards that can you know do a lot of good things for you. Who steps to the fore during training camp? And I think that's the biggest positive for me in Buffalo is that we're starting to see some like depth potential. And again, you know, this this might not be a playoff year, but they played a lot of teams tight down the stretch last year. And I know that was a point of pride for the Sabres Mm -hmm. that the teams that they were playing against were playoff teams or teams trying to get into the playoffs. And Buffalo won a decent amount of games when you know they could have just kind of folded up shop so a continuation of sort of the last whatever 2025 games from last year would be brilliant for buffalo so this is a team that yeah like they weren't the first half they probably weren't too tough to play against near the end again like i said they kind of play well for me they're the negative is and we were talking about not gifting a young guy a roster spot they could have easily said you know what uko pekka lou okanen this is your year mm-hmm. but he's battle injuries he was also up and down with the team last year. Yeah. They're going to send him back down to the AHL, give him some cha- opportunities to play here. So then you got Eric Comrie and Craig Anderson. Mm-hmm. Not a great goalie duo, but Comrie had a good year. Mm-hmm. Craig Anderson didn't look that bad for a guy who's quite old at this point for yeah. NHL goalie standards and still seems to have good hockey left in him. So while there's that, it's still a little negative when you're looking at uh, some of the other goalies in this division. Yeah, and goals for you know goals against might be a problem for this team because you, know, you know I mean Power and Darlene obviously young guys like they're gonna you know still have some bumps. And Yoki, in the road. Yoki Haru too. Yoki Haru, yeah. Um, so you know Craig Anderson has always been to me like just such a funny goaltender where even in his prime 
he would have an amazing year, then a down year, then an amazing year, then a down year. Like you could almost set your watch to it. And then it looked like maybe he would retire. You know, there were some injuries. Um, and then he comes back and played pretty well last year. So you sort of say to yourself, well, okay, I mean, if we can get decent goaltending from Craig Anderson and we have, you know, a backup in Eric Comrie that we can trust to, to spell him every once in a while, maybe Lou Okunen gets a couple of starts here and there where you bring him up just to sort of get that taste again. Or, you know, if somebody gets hurt. I, I think your goaltending's in a better situation this year than it was last year, especially when things didn't work out. Um you kind of had to start again. So they're no worse off, but that's the X factor for me is like, what can Craig Anderson provide to this team? Yeah, because this is a team that's, it's going to, it's still a work in progress. Again, as you're expecting for teams at the bottom of the division, but, and they're going to be giving these young guys an opportunity, but that's still not a lot of big and high-end veterans that are going to take the load off of it. So you've really got to hope that with a young defense core, they're doing their job to protect the goaltending. And mm. I don't think that's going to be necessarily this year. Mm. And so these goalies are going to have to be busy. Um, but they didn't go out there and make a huge upgrade in net. So that's that was an interesting decision. But I also think if they believe in their goalies' long-term future, they didn't want to sign a very good goalie long-term and then they've kind of run these guys. If they believe right. in Luokan and being their next year starting goalie, for mm. example, um, you don't need to sign a long-term guy. Yeah. You got to hope that Eric Comrie, who was again, great last year for Winnipeg, that he can play better in a one, a role. And you got uh, Anderson and Anderson's a fun goalie. Yep. This is a team that again, it's not, you're not here yet Buffalo and the fans are going to be very excited when they finally arrives. And I know that feels like we've been talking about that for a decade now or like, yeah, at least since, since they drafted Jack Eichel and obviously that didn't end up happening for mm -hmm. long. Um, but I do think this is something where, uh, Keep an eye on this group. For sure. So, yeah. all right. The Boston Bruins. Mm -hmm. So the guys that they lost, Eric Halla, Curtis Lazar, Josh Brown. Okay. I think you can move on from that. Right. You bring back David Krejci, a new yes. addition. Yeah. Pavel Zaka. Okay. Interesting. And otherwise the roster is pretty status quo from there. Mm -hmm. um, this is a team that's not on the upswing right now. They're, but they've got something where, you know, they, I, I could Fabian myself. Could he make the team this year? Yeah, probably not, but uh, I wouldn't surprise me if he even starts the season with the team. Mm. Um, give him a chance. But you've got obviously the Marshawn, the Bergeron, Pashnik, Hall. From a scoring depth perspective, I feel like there's a bit more than we've seen, even if that means bringing back David Krejci, <laughs> who's part of that scoring depth already. Right. Um, nothing really f seems too threatening with this team, though. But if we're looking at the positives to start. If you're looking at the positives, and this is something I said, you know, on the other podcast um, in the wake of Zdeno Chara retiring, is that the Bruins culture is so strong. And, you know, again, in Vegas, talking to Jeremy Swayman about it, he was saying that, you know, this group led by Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and then you go down to guys like Brandon Carlo and Charlie McAvoy, mm -hmm. they really do things the right way, right? <clears throat> they always show up to practice. They lead by example. There's a high standard for the Bruins. And, you know, you mentioned a guy, a kid like Fabian Lysel, who, you know, pretty dynamic, you know, still, I would say, you know, rough around the edges. Like he doesn't play a two-way game by any stretch of the imagination. No. But if you liked his potential as a scorer and you put him in that dressing room and you put him on the same practice ice as those guys, then all of a sudden, you know, you're in like the perfect classroom if you're Fabian Lysel. Um, so that's a bit of an advantage that the Bruins have is that they essentially have several coaches on the ice at all times, you know, in, in that sort of regard because yeah. of the players. Yeah. Um, so for me, the Bruins are always like a really high floor team. Like it's the bottom's never going to really fall out because, you know, they have difference makers up front. They have different difference makers on the back end, particularly Charlie McAvoy. Jeremy Swayman looks like pretty solid netminder, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, if I'm going to talk about the negatives, Brad Marchand's hurt. Yep. Charlie McAvoy's hurt. Yep. So you're starting the season off without those guys. Um, <clears throat> you can't replace them, you know. So, I mean, they, you know, they do have other guys out there, obviously. But this is a team where they got to make sure that they don't fall too far behind to begin the season because, you know, their margin of error is a lot slimmer than it used to be when we could just say, well, 
Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit, Montreal have no shot. Yeah. Now a couple of those teams have a shot. Yes. So you got to make sure that you don't have like a New York Islanders-esque collapse at the very beginning due to injuries and other factors. Yeah. And the fact that they're missing those key guys and don't have a place <clears> does <throat> concern me a bit. Um, the goaltending, when you got Swayman, like, very good season last year. Let's see what he could do again this year. And if Linus Omar could be consistent all year long, mm. there were points last year he wasn't. That's a pretty strong goalie duo. Yeah. So that would take a little bit of the pressure off. But um, it's, I guess, just, just going off the negative for me. It's like this team is on the da- downside. Their core is getting older. And you mentioned the kind of the, the good like dressing room atmosphere. It's like the core of this team is not much different than what's five years ago. Totally. You take Tuka Rask out of the equation because yeah. he tried to retire. But it's like this is still like a lot of those guys were still there. We've been over there for a while. Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasta, Krejci came back. Yeah. He did not have to come back this year. He could have just, like, he's done what he's done. Everyone respected him. He could have just finished his career quietly and kicking it in check. Yeah. And he's back. Yeah. He didn't have to come back. So, like, that 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 said something. And mm-hmm. Bergeron didn't have to come back either. And he's back for another year. But they're also on short term deals there. So, you got to wonder is this kind of like the end for this group? Yeah. I mean, we weren't sure Bergeron was going to come back. And I mean, when, I feel like once he goes, then it's like, okay, we need a dramatic reassessment of what this team is going to be because you just, you don't replace a first ballot hall of famer, you know, what I believe to be, you know, one of the best two way centers of all time. It just doesn't happen. Right. So that blows a big hole in your depth chart. Um, especially when another one of your centers is David Krejci, who is also sort of semi-retired, you know, I mean, he went to play pro in, in Czechia, but um, you know, we, we thought his NHL days were done. So um, for me, the X factor is a guy like Taylor Hall. Yeah, yeah. What can he provide to this team, especially you know with Marshawn out to begin the season? You know, you're going to need some firepower on the wings. And I mean, Taylor Hall, we've seen it in the past. He has done it. What's he got left in the tank? What can he bring to this team when they probably need him more than they ever have? Yeah, and I guess the X factor will be the entire blue line for me. Okay, so if, if McAvoy's hurt, or let's say. In general, you just need someone to step up. Totally. You can't just be Hampus Lindholm in that partner. Brandon Carlos, Brandon Carlo, yeah. and a couple other guys. It's like, you know what they are. Is there a young guy that's going to come in? And no, probably not with this roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who's going to step up and, and take those key minutes away so McAvoy doesn't have to be everything for this team? Yeah. Fair that boy. concerns me. So uh, the Boston Bruins are going to be an interesting team to watch. Last year, Taylor Hall had 61 points. So he's kind of back on pace. Pretty solid. If he gets 60 points again, yep. good. So, especially if Marshawn's gone, like that gives him, he's got a chance here to really show, hey, I still got it. That's right. It's also, can we talked about last week about Tyler Sagan, and it's like how his career's kind of dropped off. Well, Taylor Hall's kept it going. That's right. So, it was a roller coaster. It is. The Ottawa Senators, and this mm-hmm. team had the most boring offseason of all time. <laughs> Nothing happened. The roster's identical. There's not a single player right. change, uh, except for Alex Different, Claude Giroux, Cam Talbot. Whew. Fun mm-hmm. team. Uh, this is a they lost Connor Brown, they lost Matt Murray, lost Phil Gustafson, Colin White, Chris Tierney, Adam Gaudette, Tyler Ennis. And, and Brown's definitely a tough loss there, but the rest of the guys were pretty replaceable. And yeah. if your replacements were DeBrincat and Giroux, you had a couple guys capable of getting 40 goals. Huge. That's awesome. And uh, there's, there's still some questions about Alex Fermentin. What will his situation be? But when you got Kachuk, you got Norris, you got Bathison, and you bring in Shane Pinto, mm-hmm. who uh, I really enjoyed watching at uh, uh, NHL Rookie Camp. You've probably seen me tweets. I think I tweeted like 50 times about him in one game. Um, but uh, this is a group where, oh, Jake Sanderson, forgot about him. And yep. This team's going to be a lot of fun. Tim Stutzla as well. Well, he, yeah. yeah, he's already there. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, what I like about the Ottawa Senators right now, and, you know, we talked about the vibes in Buffalo. I think the vibes in Ottawa are just as strong, yeah. if not stronger, because now you're getting a team. I, I would say they're like a little ahead of the Sabres in terms of the rebuild, where... They've, they have all their elements now. And yeah, Jake Sanderson's a rookie, so it's like he's still new. But, you know, Kachuk's established. Stutzler's established. Josh Norris is established. Um, you know, now you reward that young core uh, with Claude Giroux, with Alex Dabrinkit. Um, you know, a, a very good starting net minor in Cam Talbot. Um, you know, Jake Sanderson, I think, is going to be a, an impact rookie. Uh, yeah, Shane Pinto awesome it gives them flexibility where is tim stutzla a center is he a winger um you know great problem to have you put him where he needs to be so i think ottawa 
this is like this is their chance, especially with Boston being an older team that's going to start off with some injury problems. If the Sens get off to a hot start, then that momentum can really propel them because you've got that youthful exuberance, but then you've also got a leader like Claude Giroux, uh, who has been a captain, and then an actual yep. leader in, you know, in Brady Kachuk, and let's not forget Thomas Shabbat. Mm-hmm. I should say an actual captain in Brady Kachuk. Um, and then Thomas Shabbat, who has been a huge member of this team for so long and still isn't really even that old. The momentum's going in the right direction. So if you can capitalize early, you might be able to ride that to a playoff berth where, yeah, maybe your first round fodder, but getting in those important games is going to mean so much heading into next season as well, where everybody has another year of experience and things are even more cohesive. And I, you know, I do think DJ Smith is a coach that has proven over the years at his various stops that he can put together a winner. And one guy that really impressed me in the prospect tournament was Tyler Boucher. Mm. He might not be too far away either. Not, not, not this year, but like he's someone where, you know, it was a bit of a puzzling pick when they got him 10th overall, but mm. whoa, he's, he was a lot of fun to watch. He brings a lot of energy. And could be a fourth liner, right? And a good fourth liner. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Ottawa had the luxury of making so many high picks yeah. that they went a totally different direction and more of a bruiser. Um, but you know what? Might Those work. guys are hard to find these days. Yeah. Uh, also, like, Really great. Could he make this team? He could totally make this team. I mean, people loved him on Team Canada this summer at the World Juniors. And, you know, unfortunately he got hurt during the tournament. But again, another guy where he's probably a perfect third liner or maybe even fourth liner, depending on your depth. But he's that guy that just makes things happen out there. He stirs the pot. He's physical, even though he's not the biggest guy out there. So, yeah, I love that Ottawa has options, and I love that they have different skill sets. Now, do they have, like, a surefire number one center that can hang with Austin Matthews, Patrice Bergeron, Alexander Barkov? No. Can they do things by committee? Maybe. This is a team where, if I'm looking at the X factor, it's just, like, making sure we can find chemistry. There's a ton of young, good players that are thrown in, obviously bringing a couple of vets in. Mm. Just making sure everything kind of flows. And a lot of these yeah. guys also did play together in the AHL. Yeah. So that does help. Um, But you're going to be bringing these guys up. And for some of them, like Pinto and like Sanderson, it's like this is – well, more more so Sanderson. This is like his first real chance of playing pro hockey. Let's see what they could do. Um, I think it's just making sure like they got all these young talent. Let's just make sure it flows well. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a season where you want to play meaningful games right up until the end. If you make the playoffs, obviously that's a huge step forward. But even if you're in the mix and you fall just short, I think it's uh, it's a, it's going to be a great learning experience. Quickly to wrap this one up, what's success for Ottawa this year? Success for me is being in the playoff mix until the last week or two of the season. Whether okay. you make it or not, I, I I want I want them to be within striking distance. Yep, fair. I I think that's very fair. They make the playoffs doesn't surprise me. Yeah, the Florida Panthers. Well, this is a team that. Had a good regular season last year. Certainly. Then they fell into the trap of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and everything kind of fell apart. And you know what? We knew they'd be into some trap cap trouble. I don't think we expected them to trade away Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weaker. <laughs> but they brought in Matt Kachuk. Yeah. And they brought in Colin White. And I, I like that one. Uh, in terms of other guys they lost, they lost Drew, <laughs> Mason Marchment, mm-hmm. Ben Sherratt, Joe Thorne, Neil Achari. So actually, if you just look on just pure like numbers, this team lost more than anybody. Yeah. And they will also start the year with Anthony Duclair injured. Mm-hmm. This is not the same Florida Panthers we saw last year. I guess part of the positives is still a lot of key pieces there. You still got Barkov. You still got Kachuk, Verhage, Bennett, Reinhardt, Bobrovsky, Ekblad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, this is still a playoff team. And, I mean, you know, maybe they learn the lessons from last year and, and maybe they can they can win a round or two. Um, you know, Kachuk, huge acquisition just because he's such a competitor, such a good two-way player, so smart. And, you know, he gets under people's skin. Um, you know, thinking about, you know, could, could him and Barkov team up just to be like this, like, incredible, you know, two-way duo? I mean, amazing, right? I mean, both of them were Selkie candidates for sure last year on different teams. Um, you know, and, and Kachuk played really well with Elias Lindholm on Calgary. So it's like with Barkoff, you know, you got sort of a bigger, better Elias Lindholm, if you will. Um, Anton Lindell, I'm looking for him to continue 
to progress as a great young two-way center as well. And he is the perfect role model in Barkoff there. Uh, and, you know, he's going to have to step up because they're not as deep as they once were. Uh, once were, last year. Yeah. You know, they, they lost some key pieces. And, you know, maybe some guys can step up. Maybe maybe we see Grigory Denisenko establish himself. That would be great for them. Great. Um, but, you know, having guys like Bennett and Reinhardt, who are just like really solid sort of like scoring line guys. Yeah, they're still going to be good. Um, you know, defense score, I think Uyghur's a big hole to fill. Yeah. No doubt. Um, goaltending, Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight, awesome tandem. Um, you know, Bobrovsky certainly has more peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. But the good thing is you have Spencer Knight, uh, who can take over for long stretches anytime you need him to, even though Bobrovsky obviously has that big contract. Bobrovsky could lose a starting role, and it might not even be his fault. It's just because Spencer Knight, Spencer Knight. Totally. And that's okay. For me, going right to the negatives, it's you gave up your best, or one of your best defensemen, and you gave up a lot of scoring. It didn't really do a ton to address either. Obviously, mm. Kachuk was part of the deal. Yeah. But you lost Huberto. Yeah. And uh, you can effectively write off Duclair right now because he's hurt. So it's kind of like, how do you find a way to replace that? And that mm. was a team where they were spoiled last year with more talent than I think we've ever seen the Panthers have, um, where they had scoring depth coming from everywhere. Like Mason Marchman was unbelievable in the playoffs. Yep. No one expected that. Yep. Uh, so for me, this also kind of leads into my X factor of who steps up in that role. Mm. Is it is it a Colin White? Is it Anton Lindell? You know, like you'd hope he continues to take steps forward. Mm. I'm not sure who that truly is. But I guess let's start with the negatives for you, kind of. Is it kind of the same thing that they just are missing a little too much? I, I think they're depleted. Yeah. And I'll, I'll kind of roll my X factor into this, which is there's a lot of pressure on Aaron Eckblad now. With just, McKenzie especially stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, and he's got to stay healthy. And, you know, that's, that's been tough for him. You know, I mean, he's, you know, he's had some concussions. Um, they need Aaron Eckblad 82 games and they need Aaron Eckblad to play probably 24 minutes a game. And, you know, I mean, they've, they've got some sort of intriguing options down there. Um, but Mackenzie Weger, I, I, he was super underrated in my mind and they didn't replace him. So the forwards are going to have to make up for the defense core being a little depleted. And obviously Bobrovsky and Knight are going to have to be, top of their game all the time. So for me, that's the negative. And then the X factor, I'm saying Aaron Eckblad. Aaron Eckblad's got to be the best we've ever seen him. Yeah, because if it's if he's hurt, what's it, Gustav Forsling? Yeah, mm. and I mean, Kachuk in Vegas said he, he he thought Forsling has looked really good so far in just sort of like, you know, early skates that they've had together. He was very impressed by him. But, yeah. We need context. Was he asked... Uh, like what, 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 it's like of course he's gonna say good things about his teammates, but what's the context? sure sure no I mean this it's uh, yeah. it's conversation mm-hmm. where the, he just sort of says yeah skate's been great really impressed with Gustav Forsling you know, perfect he just kind of mentioned it yeah it's yeah. not like we were like what do you think of Gustav Forsling? <laughs> it's like yeah what are your thoughts on Lucas Carlson Michael yeah. Delzato yeah very important exactly. stuff name every player on their team yeah uh, even with that though we still expect them to do good things this year yeah I mean any team that has that high end and that that has options that in goal. I think they're going to be fine. Yeah, I don't. I, they're not going to be President's Trophy material, but I think they'll be fine. All right. Next up, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the first round playoff wonders. Mm-hmm. Not sure if wonder is what I would. Maybe the question, the, the correct term for wonder would be wondering when they're going to finally move past the Indeed. first round. Um, a lot of questions about this team, whether or not they got better. And when you look at who they lost, Jack Campbell, Ilya Mikheyev. Andre Kasha, Labushkin, Spezza, Blackwell, Mrazek. Okay, so some of those guys were pretty replaceable. Mrazek was not very good. No. Is their goaltending better? I don't think so. But there's some promise there. Let's start at what you like about this group. Yeah, well, <clears throat> obviously the offense. You know, in Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, you have two of the most dynamic players in the league. And, you know, again, talking to players in Vegas, uh, a lot of them said if they could have one skill, it would be Austin Matthews' shot. You know, we talked about, can he hit 65 goals this year? If he, if he plays all 82 games, why not? Matthews himself was saying, you know, he sees Mitch Marner maybe shooting more this year because Marner, in his opinion, has an, under, you know, has an underrated shot. So if you have an excellent playmaker like Marner who's shooting more, then all of a sudden 
you can't cheat over to Matthews, assuming that the pass is going to go there. So that opens up more opportunities. And yeah, they do still have great scoring depth. Obviously, you know, Tavares is your second line center is, is quite the luxury. You look at the back end, it's, you know, it's still as strong as it has been. You know, I mean, it was sort of a weakness for years. And I think in the last sort of year or two, it's been much better. Morgan Riley, obviously the top guy there, but, you know, getting support from other guys, you know, when Jake Muzzin is healthy, he's super effective. Um, you know, this year I would love Rasmus Sandin to like really seize a role. I, He's unsigned really, at this current time of this recording. He's yeah, still unsigned. Which, yeah, but, but he's an RFA. Yeah. Um, I worry that, you know, the Leafs' pursuit of that first-round win kind of screwed up guys like Travis Dermott and Rasmus Sandin yeah. because there was no leash whatsoever, yeah. right? Or I should say the tightest leash possible. Um, so I would love to see Rasmus Sandin continue to grow into uh, a solid role on the back end. So in terms of positives, I think they have good depth and they have a lot of experience at this point. Um, it's just a matter of executing the playoffs. Yeah, for me, the depth is definitely a big bonus this year because uh, we do know that uh, Timothy Ogren will start injured. He'll miss training camp as uh, as will Pierre Engvall. So they luckily have depth of both those positions. At defense, I think they've signed half the league. They brought mm-hmm. in uh, Jordy Ben and Victor Matei. And of course, at the time of recording this, we'll see if Rasmus Handin's there. Let's just say he is because... That would be good for the team. Yeah. Uh, that makes them better. Uh, on the blue line, you got Godet, Nico Zabe, Cabell, Cal- 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 You address some of these roles over the summer. Mm. And that's something they need to do. It's not like people want, it's like, oh, like trade one of your star players. That's a stupid way of looking at it. You're not losing, you're not losing because you're best players. You're losing right. because of other reasons. Yeah. Um, for me, the big downside though, they did not improve their goaltending. No. But we have talked about this on the show before, and at least my viewpoint is having two young, youngish guys. I guess memory is not that young, but having the two guys with a lot to prove and who have proven already they can do some good things, um, going out there and fighting, not a bad idea. True. And again, you know, I'll roll this into my X factor. I mean, this season they're going to live and die on their goaltending. You know, Matt Murray has won Stanley Cups. Ilya Samsonov, first round pick, was awesome at the World Juniors when he played for Russia. You know, I mean, Washington had high hopes for him. I wonder, was the Capitals' defense just too bad mm-hmm. for him to really grow into the role? Toronto's going to have a better defense than Washington did. Um, both of them are obviously going to be competing for starts, which is good. You you would love for one of them to kind of take the reins and run with it, just so when you head into the playoffs, you know who your guy is. But, you know, if they both hit, then that's huge bonus. If neither of them pan out, then, I mean, I, that's probably Kyle Dubas losing his job as GM. I mean, let's face it, right? Um, you know, I, they should be a pretty easy playoff team based on the weapons they have. Will they get let down by goaltending sometimes? Very possible, right? And that's the thing you need to really consider about this team is like there's a real boom-bust factor where... If they get goaltending, they could be awesome. If they don't, then you're looking at yet another early summer. Is this the year they finally move on? I mean, it's got to happen at some point, right? <laughs> Does it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, with the talent they have yeah. and and where those guys are just at this point in their career, um, I think so. But yeah, they got to get goaltending. It's always a fun storyline on Twitter when you get the, the non-Leaf fans going like, ah, Leafs have never made it. At the same time, it's probably good if the biggest market had some some success. Yeah. If Montreal or New York Rangers, if those teams had success, I think it'd be good for the sport. In terms of ratings, yeah, that's what the Canadian TV execs want, that's for sure. So, uh, all right, we'll see what happens to Toronto now to wrap up this division and our final team to talk about as a preseason thing anyways, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but they're a pretty good hockey group. Indeed. They've been to the finals three times, won it twice, ran into a Colorado team that was about as dominant as we've basically seen in the playoffs. Uh, and this is a group that lost Andre Palat, lost Ryan McDonough, and lost Jan Ruda. But that's, a, you know, those, those are losses. You had to do for Sally Cap space. Still, it's a still pretty good team. You still got Stamco, still got Point, Kudrov, Kalorn, Hedman, Sergachev. I think this is a, a year for Sergachev to take a step up. Eric Chernak, mm-hmm. uh, and they have Andre Vasilevsky. So, yeah, uh, to me, this is still a good group. But what are your thoughts? Totally. I mean, this is a group where I mean they check all the boxes. It's like, do you have a number one center? Yes, you do. 
And you even have the luxury of, is it Braden Point? Is it Steven Stamkos? Uh, you know, Anthony Sorelli is an awesome two-way center as well. Uh, and there's some versatility in there as well. You can play certain guys on the wing. Um, do you have a number one defenseman? Yes, you have Victor Hedman, who's basically up for the Norris Trophy every year. By default. <laughs> yeah, by default, because he's always putting up, you know, around 75 points, playing huge minutes and making an impact at both ends of the ice. Do you have a goaltender? Yeah, you got the best goaltender you know, maybe in the world. I mean, Igor Shosturkin is the main competition there, but Vasilevsky is just ice cold in the playoffs. And I mean that in terms of ice cold in his veins. That's um, to say, he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, he's like almost unstoppable, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, he ran into like a really good Colorado team. I still maintain Tampa Bay got whacked by the altitude in the first two games. They sure. claimed they did not, but I mean, if you watch They're not the making pace, excuses. They won't make excuses. They wouldn't say it, yeah. but it's like, if you saw their pace versus Colorado's pace, it's like, come on. Um, so anyways, they have all the elements and it's so funny for a team that's made the playoff or made the final three years in a row. They're super motivated because they hate to lose, right? They wanted to win three in a row and Colorado took that from them. So they're going to want revenge. So there's not going to be any easing up by the Tampa Bay lightning. That's for sure. They have a coach that knows how to push their buttons in John Cooper. They have tons of experience. They have Tons of great players. So, yeah, I mean, they they have everything they need to make it to the final again. Yeah, I'm not too worried about this group. I guess if you look at the negatives, like losing two key defensemen, yeah. it's uh, tough. Uh, but this is a chance for Chernak and Sergachev to continue elevating their games. And you still have one of the best defensemen in the world, and you still have one of the best goalies in the world. And if we're looking at the X factor, I think it's just more great hockey out of Andre Vasilevsky. Mm-hmm. Like, this team has had no issues finding uh, – Finding numbers and finding talent throughout the lineup. Uh, Ross Colton, is Brandon Hagel going to take another step up with his game this yeah. year? Potentially. It's like these, this team continues to find good depth. I'm not worried about that. And I'm obviously not worried about Andre Vasilevsky. But it's just when they get to the playoffs. If he just continues to do what he's doing. He's not the reason they lost that playoffs round yeah. against Colorado. He was basically perfect for three straight years. Yeah. Um, so I think that for him, he's just got to keep doing what he's doing. And I think he's, he's capable of it. So Tampa is not my pick to win the Stanley Cup. But this is a team that you know is going to be in the conversation and a very likely going to be the division winner when it's all said and done. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think at this point, they're almost that team where whoever does beat them probably wins the Stanley Cup, whether that happens in the Eastern Conference final or the Stanley Cup final or even the first round. Tampa's that team that you got to get over to be like, okay, we're for real. Like, yeah. we got something here. My only negative would be, and, and again, I'll wrap this into the X factor, and I will say Mikhail Sergachev. Because I think Ryan McDonough is a huge loss. It is, and it was a, it was a cap thing. You know, they wanted to you know, uh, you know, make sure they could bring some uh, some other guys back. Um, but man, I, I I still think he's just sort of an underrated guy that did so many good things back there and played so many minutes, and it's great for Nashville. But I think they're gonna really miss him, especially in the playoffs, where again, you know, Hedman has played a ton of minutes over these past three years. And if you want to make another run, you got to make sure that, you know, you stay as healthy as possible. And without McDonough, you're going to need Sergachev to be big time. You need to find a perfect regular partner for Victor Hedman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one guy that I'd like to see play a lot more, Cal Foote. Yep. He's still trying to become a full-time NHL. I liked a little bit what I saw in the playoffs. This is a good opportunity to show that, you know, why you're a first-round pick at one point. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. That's the division. Time for rapid fire. Yeah, it is time for rapid fire. All right. We'll start off hockey. How many wins do the Montreal Canadiens get this season? 33. Mm, Patrick Waugh. Sure. Look, uh, yeah, I wasn't thinking that, but yeah, Patrick Waugh right. number, sure. I'm going to say 28, because originally I was going to say 25, and it's like, nah, it was really low. Uh, but 30 felt like a little high, so I'm going to go 28. Yeah, that's yeah. fair enough. So you're a big uh, who's a 28 guy and the Habs. Uh, there, there is a 20 item. I'm sure there is some. Chris Weidman feels like it, but I'm pretty sure he's like number six right now. <laughs> there you go. All right. Next question. Who is a band or musical artist that you love that would seem un- uncharacteristic to outsiders based on what you usually listen to? Uh, uh, Michael Bublé. <laughs> really? Well, I wouldn't say I love him, but it's just like I really, every time I listen, I'm like, yeah, it's good. 
Wow. Uh, Even non-Christmas buble? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I don't care about it's Christmas. Stuff. Wow. It's it's non-Christmas the, buble. It's because back when I used to misbehave, my mom would torture me with Michael Buble albums on repeat. Oh. Uh, sometimes we go on a long drive to go somewhere, and I would listen to a whole album. And you internalized it. And I'm like, you know, this guy's pretty good. Wow. It's too bad he's only really known for Christmas music. Sure. <laughs> actually, okay, so this is a bonus one that I just thought of that I was actually thinking about uh, at the airport the other day because I heard a song that got me my answer. What is an album that you only like because... Uh, your parents played it when you were a kid. So I guess non-Buble division for you. Uh, Margaritaville. Oh, okay. That totally Because we, 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 yeah. we had a pool, so we just listened to it by the pool. It sounded it nice. great. For me, it's Centerfield by John Fogarty. John okay. Fogarty being uh, formerly of Creedence Clearwater Revival. He just played in Toronto like, like two nights ago. Or probably. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, I heard the song Centerfield when I was waiting at the gate. And I was like, oh, man. Like, I listened to this album a lot when I was a kid because of my, you know, my parents, specifically my dad. Having it on vinyl. Okay, next question. Uh, what is your bucket list vacation destination? Where is somebody in the somewhere in the world you have not been yet that you gotta go? You to? can answer it for me. I think you know. <laughs> A certain place oh. in in December. Gotcha. Davos. Davos, Switzerland. For Davos, you. Switzerland, for sure. Uh, I'd also. Would absolutely love to be at Le Mans for the 24 hours Le Mans, 100 running of it next year. Because mm-hmm. Le Mans itself is a really pretty place. But it's like, it's a track that races kind of in the middle of the downtown, but it's like still really, it's really scenic for a track. Mm-hmm. And at nighttime, it looks super cool. Almost all of the places I want to go to is tied to sports. I don't sure. care about traveling for the sake of seeing things. I can mm-hmm. go on Google and see pictures of the Eiffel Tower. Interesting. I want to go to experience something. Yep. And it's all tied to sports. Gotcha. For me, it's uh, Tokyo. Okay. In Japan. And, you know, preferably I stop off in Hawaii on the way, but that's probably two different trips because uh, I haven't been to Hawaii yet. But I just, yeah, Japan, I think, you know, just, I mean, seeing it, you know, yeah, in whatever. Seeing it on TV, seeing it in movies. I mean, there's so many just cool things about Japanese culture that I would love to check out in person. Um, and it just seems like a seems fun. fun place that it was like, that would be a big time trip. So I, I don't know I'm if about I don't that. know if the Fast and Furious directors purposely were doing it to make Tokyo look super cool when they did Tokyo Drift as a movie. Um, partly, maybe just think that there's people just dr- like drifting around every corner in the middle <laughs> right. of downtown, but like going to get milk, they're just like, <laughs> yeah, and just causing massive accidents. People right. flying out of their cars. It's like I think it's a little more orderly than that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I've heard. Okay, what is the best name? For a defunct hockey team, like like historically, what's your favorite name for a defunct team? Oh, this will sound really boring, but the Atlanta Thrashers. I just thought Ooh. Thrashers to me sounds like a cool name, and their logo was cool. It's like, what's a Thrasher? I don't know. It just sounds cool, right? It just it sounds cool. Uh, there's um, oh, I know there's so many great ones, and I know there's more that come to me, but that's the one that's like, I just wish that team name never died. Gotcha. For me, it's the Troy Uncle Sam's Trojans, which was a team like way back when, like minor league team. So Troy, New York, which is like near the Vermont border. If I'm not mistaken, that's where RPI is, the university. Uh, Because I do have a pennant from there. I'm pretty sure it's Troy, New York. But they had apparently, I did like a dumb amount of research on this, like way back in the day, uh, because for a potential Jersey hound. but apparently the sort of story of Uncle Sam, like the character, yeah. has roots in Troy, New York. Okay. So they had a team and they called it the Uncle Sam's Trojans. So they were the Trojans, but they were like Uncle Sam's Trojans, which is just sort of a bizarre like word salad. But it fascinated me for years. Well, so one of my favorite team names is the St. George de Bush I know that's not how you probably pronounce it. Uh, cool FM, and they play in the LNAH. Right, and it's just like it, it makes me think about like the movie Goon, where like don't you want to play in a league where like radio stations don't just like sponsor the teams? Right, and it's like uh, there's also the uh, the OJHL's Aurora Tigers that changes their name whatever the sponsor is. So it's like it, it was like ah. I don't know what it is now, like a car dealership probably. I don't know. Right, it, it's like the whatever whatever Aurora Tigers. Right, and, well. That's also similar to in Germany, Nuremberg's team is the Thomas Sabo Ice Tigers, yeah. named after the jeweler. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then there's, yeah. there's Red Bulls hockey team too, sure. so if that counts. It also just occurred to me, I didn't answer my own question earlier on uh, when we were talking about bands that you wouldn't okay, expect. Yeah. To be like, For me, it's Justice. Okay. The French house 
DJ sure. duo. I love Justice. There's something about them that just like hits for me. And they did do a live remix of Master of Puppets like 10 years ago, pre-Stranger Things, obviously. Um, but it was awesome. So my apologies. I forgot to answer my own question. I sort of think it's like, I, I'm, I also really like Eminem uh, and I mm-hmm. like NF and a couple other rappers, but I don't know if that MGK was better as a rapper. Um, but also the... Um, that makes no sense. Oh, he well, he started out as a rapper. and Yeah. He, but he always like he worked with like rock people so like yeah. there, this eventually was going to happen yeah. but uh also it's like i've come to appreciate like i don't care for edm or dubstep but and this is going to sound stupid but one of my favorite things corn ever did was make essentially a metal dubstep album mm-hmm. and they used skrillex a few times and skrillex really understood how to make it work because he was in a metal band before he was so he the the song get up i think it's called it just like it's a super heavy guitar slash dubstep mixed together i thought mm. it sounded great it just sounded like nothing that corn's ever done or done right, before right. for a reason they've kind of gone back to more of their traditional yeah sound they're tuned down to see you can hear the bass strings hit the bass well, that's what sound. i like that's what i like that they're it's like them they give love to the bassist sure their guitar that's tones, true. the guitar tones on the on the first many albums were terrible but mm-hmm. the bass was like they love him. It's so nice. They certainly do. Okay, final question. You were in Buffalo. You went to Chef's. <laughs> you got the parmed meatball sandwich, which is my favorite. Rank it out of 10. Oh, uh, eight and a half. I just wanted it. I don't know. The, I, I was looking for the sandwich portion, but I couldn't find it. But yes. I would definitely get it again. I would definitely recommend it. And the cheese was amazing. Exactly. Yeah, it looks like a moonscape. Well, you can't you, even have see you had the, the ice sandwich. cream there too? They Maybe the- once, but I'm always so full because I get like the parmed meatball sandwich. I usually have a bit of bread before just because I'm tempting fate, I guess. And I always get a huge Mr. Pib. So I never have room for ice cream. Well, they, they gave us ice cream as part of our thing. Right. Because like, it was like the lunch menu. It was like a dollar extra. You get ice cream. Mm. And it was it was very good. Nice. And it's like it's like a bowl. And I, the way they, I guess they just obviously scooped it in. But it's like perfectly. It looked perfect. And it tasted great. It almost tasted like Kawartha Dairies, which I don't mm. think you get in Buffalo. But No, they uh, have their own. Local okay, ones. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So like every time I've had food in Buffalo is great, except I still haven't had chicken wings or buffalo chicken at all. Wow. In Buffalo. There you go. I would recommend Duff's. Yeah. Those I, are the best ones I've had yeah. in Buffalo. And I have been to the Anchor Bar. Uh, I would go Duff's. For me, obviously the chicken or sorry, the uh the parmed meatball sandwich is like folklore in the hockey news offices because I get it so much uh when I go to Buffalo. So it's ten out of ten for me. That's it for rapid fire. Thank you for playing. It's like on, on hockey trips. It's not my favorite food I had, but it's like it's it's up there. Yeah, it's so solid. It's like it's perfect when you've gone to a morning skate and you don't get to eat until like one, and it's like I'm starving and I need to drive back to Toronto. This will hold me until dinner, and I might only have dinner at eight o'clock. At night. Yeah, I think we had like a small slice of pizza after that. Yeah, and then like Chex Mex. I have to get Chex Mex every time I go to the states. Fair and yeah, so. Nice. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thank you very much to Sherwood, of course. Thank you very much to Ben MGM, and we'll see you again soon.